Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 29, we see that Jesus came to set the prisoner free. The prisoner set free. Luke chapter 8. Here's the introduction. The Apostle Paul said before King in Acts 26, King Herod Agrippa, and he was in trouble. He was a prisoner by choice. He was a prisoner because he was all in. And so it got him in this great conundrum. He was in trouble, big trouble, like lose your neck, lose your head trouble. So there he was before this king and all these leaders gathered around to hear this man named Paul speak. And here's what he said. And by the way, he began to testify. Anybody know what testify means? You share what happened. You speak clearly about. You describe what happened. So they're asking Paul these questions. He says, he says hey, I, I was on this road to Damascus and, and, and God just showed up. Things happened. I can't really explain it. And he said about the message from the Lord, the Lord told him, he says, I am sending you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This morning, maybe you are one of those people that's being sent out. Maybe you are carrying the gospel. You are the one that has been ordained by God to open eyes, to help set the prisoners free. But maybe you're here this morning, and if you're honest with yourself, you would say, I'm a prisoner. I am a prisoner. Maybe this morning, it's just this, the old-fashioned sin that you're a prisoner to. Maybe it's doubt that you're a prisoner to. Maybe it's bitterness. Something happened in your life that you have not dealt with. Whatever it is, friend, this morning, God, who created you, He wants to set you free. He loves you more than you love you. He loves you more than your mom and dad, your grandma, your great aunt Sally, your Uncle Bill. He loves you more than all those people put together. And that's the truth this morning. We're going to look at Luke 8, verses 26 through 39, and we're going to take it just a few verses at a time. The first, we'll start out with the first two verses. Luke 8, starting in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land there, met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. Let's stop right there. There's four observations you'd like us to see from this passage. Well, not from this one specifically, but from 
26 all the way through 39. Number one, Jesus loves the prisoner. He, better to more accurately say the point that I meant to say, Jesus sends his love to the prisoner. Jesus sends his love to the prisoner. Look at just the first phrase. It says, then they sailed. That sound familiar? It should, because a few weeks ago, we talked about that. We talked about getting in the boat. If you're in the boat with the Lord, you're going to sail somewhere. If not, there's a problem. You're going to sail somewhere. I'm not talking about all over the world, although that's included. Either going, sending, or mobilizing. Having a heart for the nations. If you're a Christian, you should have a heart for the nations and a heart for all people because God does. But you should be on mission every day with the Lord. Get in the boat. Ride the waves. Embrace the risk. Watch Him work. Hoist the sails, students. God will send the wind. You hoist the sails. But we see here in verse 27, Jesus shows up, He steps out on land, and there met Him a man from the city who had demons. Matthew's account tells us there were two men. And there were. There were two men. But Luke only highlights one. Maybe this one was worse off than the other guy. We don't know. But notice that this man had a rough life. It says for a long time he had worn no clothes. He had worn no clothes. Now against American culture and other nations, nudity in the Bible is a shameful thing. So put some clothes on. Nobody needs to see all that. Put some clothes on. Simple application from this verse. A godly man and a godly woman wears clothes. And he had not lived in a house. This guy didn't have a house. He was a slave. He was a prisoner. He didn't even have a house. Maybe he did have a house. But these demons in his life had caused him to lose his house. He had lost everything. And he lived among the tombs. This man had been chained up, beat up, left for dead, and nobody cared. But Jesus cared. This man thought that no one was ever going to come. But Jesus came. Satan wants you to think this morning, friend, that no one cares. That no one's coming for you. That no one wants to help you. But the Lord's here today. He wants to speak to you. He wants to set you free. He wants to work in your life. The Lord will go far and wide for you. God left all the glories of heaven to come to this earth to make a way for you, to rescue you. Many waters cannot quench God's love for you. Many floods cannot drown it out. Jesus said at the cross, I love you. Jesus said at the cross, I care. Jesus said at the cross, I'm here. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. What matter of love has God bestowed upon us? So He loves you.
Jesus, he comes and he sends his love for this man that's a prisoner. Now let's continue. Verse 28 says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. This guy has a rough life. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Now Jesus was asking the man what his name was, but look who responds. And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let him enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Second observation from this passage is that Jesus stops evil in its track. Jesus has the power to stop evil in its track. The land of Rwanda in Africa, in East Africa. It's a very evil land for many years. Many genocides happened. There was a man last night by the name of Justin, a pastor from Rwanda, who shared with a group of pastors here in the southeast that trying to evangelize, he saw no one come to know Christ, but over the past eight years, he went from zero people receiving Christ to now they baptize 8,151 believers. Jesus can stop evil in its tracks. You better believe it. There's no match for the Lord. You know what the devil's afraid of? Jesus. You know what else he's afraid of? You start really believing that song you just sang? I mean, really. Applying it to your life. Applying those uh, truths to your life. You know what the devil's afraid of this morning? Many people in this room start really believing the gospel. Many people start really having a burden. Really being willing to get out of your comfort zone and totally depend upon Christ. That's what the devil's afraid of this morning. He's afraid of you being all in. Jesus stops evil in its tracks. This man was possessed. Seems kind of odd to us in America, this whole concept of demonic possession. But it's very real. It's very real here today, 2018, in our nation, in our state, in our county. This man, something happened in his life that opened him up to demonic possession. A little fact is that believers, a Christian who has Christ living on the inside, cannot be possessed. Did you know that? It's impossible to become possessed if you're born again, if you're saved. But it's very possible for an unbeliever to become possessed. Jesus said, what is your name? And one of the demons answered, Legion. Uh, Legion is a word for a Roman uh, military division that 
was numbered at 6,000 people. 6,000 soldiers. 6,000. And so there were literally thousands of demons inside of this man. Demons are just punks. They're fallen angels. They have no power except for what God gives them. They're no match for the Lord. And so they said, Legion. And they were begging. They noticed their response. They said, what have you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Son of the Most High God. These demons had better theology than most Christians today in the South. The Most High God. See, they understand. They believe. The book of James says that they believe and they shudder. They shudder at the name of Jesus. Because there's power in His name. It seems as though for many Christians in the South, our doctrine of the, uh, our theology and our doctrine of what the church is supposed to be doing, you would think that many Christians read that off of the back of a cereal box. Because see, people just start thinking, well, what should the church be doing? What should we be about? Friend, it's in the Word of God. What are we supposed to be doing? Go and make disciples of all nations. Well, I don't like that. Friend, you need to get out of the church then. Because God did not stutter about the clear command to go meet the hands and feet of Jesus, to take the gospel. Jesus was always focused on spiritual needs. Jesus did not come to make a better political society. Jesus came to set people free. Jesus came to change people's hearts, to save them, to make a way, to rescue them. Next we see in verses 34 through 36. Let's see the rest of the story. By the way, let's just deal with the pigs. Some people are concerned about the pigs probably. Let's talk about that. Uh, it seems as though, man, the Lord, did He not care about these people's property? These pigs are probably worth a lot of money. It's a lot of barbecue nachos going off the cliff there into the water. I mean, that's just a tragic thing. People, in fact, in the, in the city of Memphis and in the city of Kansas City, they just blocked this scripture out. I'm just kidding. They don't preach from it. It's offensive. But you may say, well, man, the Lord, what a terrible thing to do to those pigs. I'll just remind us this morning that God created those pigs. I mean, have you tasted bacon? God created those pigs. For all we know, those pigs are in heaven on vacation right now. But if not, God is God and He can do what He wants to do. You see, this man was possessed. This man, all the people in this city of the Gerasenes, they knew about this guy. They saw him struggle. They saw his pain. And there was an object lesson going on. Jesus wanted to bring the reality of spiritual warfare to all of these people. And so if, if the demons would have just come out and went into the air, uh, it wouldn't be in a powerful of a moment. And so maybe perhaps the Lord sent all those demons. He did give them their request. They asked to be sent into the pigs. In fact, they were, they were thinking Jesus was about to cast them into hell for all eternity. They even said that. Lord, don't send us into the abyss. That meant hell forever, final judgment. But instead, the Lord sent them into the pigs. How real was it for all those people watching? How real was it to see all of those pigs, those those demons come out of that man into those pigs. And all those pigs, thousands of them, begin to run. Amazing. 
Amazing, powerful. You feel better about the pigs now? It's okay to be concerned for the pigs. Next, verse 34. Let's see what happened. The herdsmen, those who were taking care of the pigs, they became missionaries. When the herdsmen saw what had, ha- what had happened was, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had been seen it, who had seen it, told them how the demon possessed man had been healed. Wow. Third observation. Jesus saves a man completely. Jesus saves a woman completely. Jesus saves a person completely. Isn't this incredible? These herdsmen. They, they fled, they ran into the city to tell more people. There was obviously a large crowd there watching this, but he went to, they went to go tell more people. They come back. There, probably every witch doctor in town, every guru, every spiritual expert had tried to help this man cure his demons, and no one could do anything. They knew about him. Word was out. And they were amazed. Says they came to see for themselves this man, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, he put his clothes on, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they, all the people that had watched it, they began to tell what happened. They began to clearly describe, they began to testify, they began to share what had happened. told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Jesus saves a person completely. The writer R.H. Stein writes, instead of being driven by the demon, he was sitting. Instead of being without clothes, he was dressed. Instead of being among the tombs, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Instead of being chained, hand and foot, under guard, he was in his right mind. This morning, Have you let the Lord God heal you completely? Demonic possession can happen through a lot of things. Maybe it's an addiction that just starts out small and, and gets worse and worse and worse. And when you begin to open up yourself completely to demonic spirits, any influence, that's when possession can happen. It can even happen listening to filthy music and being around darkness. Over time, over many years often, then that possession begins to happen. You have, but you have to open yourself up to that evil. I'd like to warn everybody, this can, uh, there's a lot of evil, uh, you're going to laugh, but on YouTube, there's a lot of really weird and bizarre videos that if you watch over and over and over, it will have an evil influence on your life. And it may be in the version of a little ninja cartoon, or it may be in the version of some really weird song that sounds trendy. It may be through music that comes through your radio. Have you ever just wondered why so many uh, hip-hop secular songs have the F word in it? I think that's the enemy's favorite word. 
in its darkness. Anything to defame the name of Jesus. So if you fill your heart and your life with darkness eventually, if you open yourself up, friend, you will become a slave, a prisoner to evil. This morning, if that's your life, Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to come just as you are. He'll clean you up. You don't have to clean yourself up. You come to Him and He'll start cleaning you up. He's the great physician. He knows how to help you, how to clean you. His blood can wash over you and purify you from all wickedness. This guy went from a crazy man mind to, to a clear mind. God is a God of clarity, not a God of confusion. If it's great confusion, it must not be the Lord. The enemy is the author of confusion. Today, God can forgive you of every single sin you ever committed. God can make it be as if you were a newborn baby, never committed sin ever. That baby is born a sinner, obviously, if you have children. But before he can go, there's, he has not committed an act of sin. And God can do that in your life today. You say, man, really? Yes, that's what the blood of Jesus does. It pays your price so that you can go free. The Lord God this morning can bring peace to your chaos. He can bring calm to your raging seas. He can bring peace to your troubled heart, your troubled life. But will you let Him? Will you renounce the evil that has gripped your life? Will you renounce it? Will you let go of it? That's your choice today. Call upon Jesus and let Him set you free from the prison of sin. The last and final observation today, number four. Let's look at verse 36 through 39. Jesus spreads His love through the prisoner. Look at verse 36. Those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and he returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. When was the last time you told anybody, somebody, what God had done for you? Maybe just referenced really lightly. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you testified? You see, once God heals a man, once God saves a man, once He does a great work in your life, He draws you to Himself, He expects you to go and be a conduit of His love, be a conduit of His message. Jesus spreads His love through the prisoner. Point number four, Jesus spreads His love through the prisoner, or the former prisoner. Verse 39, Jesus told him to return to your home. Now this, this had to be disheartening. This man, he loved Jesus already. I mean, he set him free for no other reason. Man, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. He's, he's God, and I believe it. There was a salvation that took place in that moment. And he wanted to go. He had nothing there with the Gerasenes. In fact, can you imagine? He had absolutely nothing. He didn't even have a house. And he wanted to go with Jesus and the disciples. Can you imagine coming face to face with God in the flesh and then having to stay behind? Anybody ever been left behind before? 
it hurts. I mean, it hurts deep. They left me. Any husbands in the house? Your wife ever left you at church? Anybody? You don't have to admit it. Any ladies? Your husband ever he got a little too excited about Sunday afternoon football and left you at church? Anybody? This really happens, y'all. And they'll tell the preacher, but they won't tell anybody else. It hurts when you get left behind. And this guy was left behind. Can you, can you imagine how he felt? I mean, he had 12 new friends. 13, if you include Jesus. Man, I like these guys. I like this crew. I want to stick with them. They're awesome. They love me. They care about me. You know the disciples, after that guy was healed, the disciples probably just gathered around him just like a bunch of group of guys, patting him on the back, doing the elbow drop, loving on him. Dude, man, we're glad you're set free. Here, we got some clothes in our backpack. You need to put some clothes on, brother. If you're going to follow the Lord, you need some clothes. You need some deodorant. Let's go down to the lake and let's give you a bath. And all this stuff really happened. It's not recorded in the Bible, but you know they surrounded him and loved on him. They said, you know, he's like, well, guys, this is God. And they're like, yeah, this is God. And man, you should, you should have been with us last week and the week before that. Let, let, let us tell you what we've seen. Let us testify. This guy was thinking, man, I've been missing out. I've been hanging out with evil. I've been missing out on what God's doing. And you know, he wanted to get on that boat so bad. Jesus said, now look, you got to stay behind. What? Stay behind? Lord, I thought you loved me. Look what he says. Return to your home and declare. You see that word declare? It's important. You might want to underline that word. It means to announce solemnly. It means to make clearly known. It means to describe. You go home, brother, and you declare how much God has done for you. little commissioning service happened right there. Right there on the side of that lake, that large lake, much larger than the Bay of St. Louis. You're getting ready to get on the boat? You go home. You declare how much God has done for you. Look what he did. He was obedient. He went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. You know why God sent this man? Because God loved all those people in that city. Not just in the city, but all in the countryside. He loved all those people just as much as He loved the demoniac man. That's why he couldn't get on the boat. He had to stay home. Because God valued all those other people just as much. And who better to tell them? Who better to tell them that the man who was the most jacked up, the man who was the most troubled, the man who had drank in so much darkness and so much evil and so much, so many substances, he was the best one to testify about the grace of God. Wow. So friend, what are you going to do with this passage? Jesus spreads His love through the prisoner. 
in England many years ago, a man was on his way to the gallows. And on his way to the gallows, a clergyman was beside him telling him about Jesus and how Jesus could save him. And the man replied, Reverend, if I believed what you were telling me, I would be willing to crawl across England on broken glass to tell all the people. Do you love people enough this morning to go down the street to tell them about Jesus? Do you care? Do you love people? Church, without a burden, we will not have a boldness to share. Without a burden, we will not have a boldness to share. Without a burden, we will not care. Do you care this morning about all the people that God loves? Maybe you're here and you know that God's calling you to come to the altar to be saved, to be set free. You say, why do we have to come publicly? Because every single time Jesus gave an invitation in the New Testament, every time He worked in somebody's life in a great way, it was always publicly. Every time. So you come publicly and you receive Christ this morning. Friend, it's time for you to stop caring about what everybody thinks about you. And you come grab hold of the cross. You come be set free. You come let God clean you up. You let the Lord save your life. Your life that's dark and miserable. And there is no hope. You come to Jesus this morning. When you come, you simply surrender by faith. Ask God to forgive you. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says you'll be born again. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes right now as we go into a time of response. Maybe that's you, friend. Maybe you are the one. God's here and He wants to save you. God's here and He wants to set you free. You say, well, I've been going to church for a long time. Friend, it doesn't matter about going to church. It matters if God knows your name, if God, if He knows you as a redeemed son or daughter. He wants you to wake up. He wants you to come back home today. And when you come back home, He's not going to yell at you. He's not going to fuss at you. He's going to receive you. He'll receive you. You come to Christ today. Come grab Pastor James. Come grab my hand. Come to the altar. If you don't want to do that, feel free to just right there in your chair receive the Lord Jesus this morning by faith. And then after that, you walk down this aisle and you tell somebody, Lord, we pray that you move in these moments for your glory and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.